Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Lunatics Radio Hour podcast, Lunatics Library Edition. I'm Abby Brinker, sitting here with Alan Kudan. Hello. And today we have Bigfoot stories for you. The finale of this epic journey we've taken together through the history and the culture of Sasquatch. Yeah, here we are. Here we are on the other side of it. Yeah, we're all true believers now. And now we just have the cherry on top of some lean back entertainment. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure there's more to say about Bigfoot. Oh, of course. In fact, I just learned quite a bit about Bigfoot. You decided to to take on some research after we concluded our episodes. I, I was having a conversation with someone about what we're doing, and they had a lot to say about Bigfoot. Oh, tell me. This person, who has chosen to remain anonymous, okay, okay. is very heavily invested in the paranormal world. In, in fact, they are currently in development of a television series that is uh, all about, uh, you know, not exactly paranormal investigation, but more like where every episode is some uh, documentary about people's interactions with uh, the paranormal. Very cool. I can't get more specific than that. Sure. Uh, However, the network that is producing this is giving pushback because they love the cryptid episodes far more than the like spiritual haunting type, you know. Interesting, okay. So they had to go back and rework their treatment to include quite a bit of new cryptids, including Bigfoot. Cool. And one of the big things that apparently is is a hot button issue in Bigfoot lore, and I don't know if it's now or has been or but it's it's hot now at least. <laughs> okay. Is intergalactic Bigfoot. Tell me everything. I don't know everything. Tell me what you know. What I know is that there are a number of alien abduction stories where the abductees give accounts of being on an alien spacecraft and there's a whole bunch of other collected animals, other animals or species or sometimes even other aliens held captive on these ships. And one of those is often Bigfoot. Whoa. I mean, it makes sense. There's multiple accounts of that. There's also one one specific account of the aliens themselves. It was a race of Bigfoot, Big Feet, Bigfoots, Bigfoots. of Bigfoots. Yeah. Uh, they were flying the ships. Like like what you said about Chewbacca last episode. Yes, the, 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 a race of Wookiees. Yeah. But they used the term big Bigfoot, Bigfoots. I don't know. I don't know. What the, I don't know what the hell they said. Uh, I was. I wasn't there. This is very secondhand knowledge. Sure. However, this lends itself not too despairingly from the non-corporeal Bigfoot, right? Because if they are some kind of higher dimensional being, like Mothman, like Moth, we, we not like Mothman. Apparently. I said the same thing about Mothman. They're like, well, the thing about Mothman is, and that's why Mothman is not an intergalactic being. Oh, oh, sure. But just a higher dimensional being, I meant. Sure. But, in, sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm really butchering my terms here. I'm speaking fast and loose. <laughs> that's the way we like it. But this, yeah, this race of Bigfoot, Bigfoots, 
Bigfoot's aliens could project themselves, uh, their their likeness, onto the Earth. Isn't that what we've been freaking saying? Well, the validation that we've been looking for from this unnamed person. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because like once you start, I think we talked about this a little bit on Bigfoot History Part Two. How once you start scratching the surface on conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. it's just like oh, this a whole bucket of them are all intermingled. Yep. And so, yeah, aliens, uh, people are being abducted by an alien race of Bigfoots, probably to be, you know, brought back to the, their lord and master, the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> you know, it's it, where, where where does it end? I don't know. But it, it, it was very interesting, uh, especially how, you know, this person had had to do quite a bit of research for this series. First off, talking to alien abductees is, is a wild experience. Yeah, truly. Uh, having having worked on um, some alien abductee shows. It's something. It's worth revisiting. We did an, an alien abduction show very early on. I think now that we're putting so much more research into episodes, that's certainly a topic for us to explore. Yeah, now that we're doing research... Um, no, we... I was doing research then, but it's nothing like the research that we're doing now. Sure. Um, yeah. But I, I, I just wanted to share that because I feel like oh, I love that. intergalactic Bigfoot was not something that we touched on. No, it didn't come up at all for me. And I just don't want to, you know, put this out into the world or whoever out there is listening to our radio transmissions. That's right. <laughs> and be like, hey, I don't feel represented. That's not what we're about here. Well, that's fascinating, and I think perfectly kind of plays into the theories that we've been throwing around here. Does it? Yeah. I thought this was out of left field. I don't think it's out of left field at all. I think we've been playing around with the idea of a Bigfoot that is not corporeal, which the only, in my mind, is either an alienoid or some sort of, you know, haunting. What what, what the hell is an alienoid? I'm just saying, like, of, you know another planet of another dimension of another space is the term alien no longer pc no i just didn't say it alien is pc i've never heard the word alienoid before that's not true i've definitely said it before yeah and like your sleep (laughs) just mumbling about aliens and bigfoot and hauntings yep okay well that's fascinating thank you for the update you're welcome also just a reminder Bigfoot merch still available in the shop. Head to lunaticsproject.com and check it out. And soon to be updated with intergalactic Bigfoot merch. That's right. We missed out on an opportunity there. And without further ado, we have three stellar Bigfoot stories for you today. I'm super excited about them. And actually, one is more of a radio drama. So we have a radio drama and, or I guess a podcast drama, and two short stories. A podcast drama. The yeah. hell that? I mean, we're not really on the radio. We're called Lunatics Radio Hour. Okay, so a radio drama and two short stories. How do you get on the radio? Can we get on the I radio? I would ask you that question. You're a sound engineer. Yeah, I record it. I don't know where it goes. Get us on the radio. First up is a radio drama written by Michael Crosa. It takes place in the same world as our Halloween special from, I think, two years ago now called Hello Listener, which we we produced in conjunction with Michael and Jollyville Radio. And he worked on this really cool script, which takes place in that world with the same character. It's on theme, and it's great. And so I'm not going to give too much away, 
but we'll we'll tell you more about it after. Okay, here we go. Back to Malakoff. Here we go. Squash, written by Michael Grosser and performed by Sarah Luke and Peter Grisavi. Welcome back, listeners. I'm Terry Mitchum in Malakoff, and you're listening to Terry After Midnight on 88.3 KOFF. We're taking callers to share real-life spooky stories. Hello, listener. You're on the air with Terry. Oh, well, okay, well, oh, I, I, got a, I got a story for you. And just who am I speaking with? My, my, my name's Maple, like the tree. My, my parents were hippies. Okay, Maple, what have you got for me? Okay, 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 so uh, this happened way back when I was in college. I went to some tiny little school in the woods where everyone has a job, and they make you work to help upkeep the campus. I, I majored in psychology, but I worked as a locksmith. In the woods? What, like the middle of nowhere, Kentucky? Well, North Carolina, but yeah, middle of nowhere. So I was a locksmith, right? One night I get this phone call that I gotta go to the gym for an emergency unlock. And boy, howdy, was it pitch black that night. No moon, nothing. It was only like 8.30, but it was the middle of winter, so the sun had already long since set. I didn't have a car, so I'm walking by myself with nothing but the lights following me. Whoa. There were lights following you? Well, not like Marfa ghost lights, just street lights. Explain. Okay, so... A really long time ago, like 2015 or something, somebody found a straight-up foot on campus. No shoe, no ankle, just foot. Everyone said coyotes, but they could never figure out who the foot belonged to. People got real upset, and, and, and the parents made a big safety campaign to put up street lights. You didn't have street lights in 2015? Yeah, but it's like in the woods, right? That's just how it is. A bunch of people really like it for its natural beauty, especially the people that had been there for a while. And if you wanted to do anything like that, you had to go through Thor. Thor? Let me guess. His parents were hippies, too. Nah, Thor is just a nickname. He was a staff member in charge of the student electrician crew. He had been there a really long time. Nobody knows for sure how long. Wow, how old was this guy? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But this dude's straight up a geezer. Like, really old. He had to be at least in his 40s. So anyway, this dude Thor was all like, heck no, no, we're not going to have a bunch of street lights in the middle of the woods. But they didn't let up, so he compromised by putting motion sensors on them so that they only turn on when somebody walks by. So when you walk across campus... The light follows you. Exactly. Okay, so back to the story. Right. Anyway, so I'm walking the road to the gym, and I could hear it getting louder. Squeeze, squash, squeeze, squash. Oh, no. What was it? It was the gym. That's what I said. Explain. So our college mascot is the Summer Squashes. Hippies? Well, yeah, it used to be the Sasquatches until there was a whole student movement about cultural appropriation, and they changed it to the Summer Squashes. Squeeze, squash is the chant they do between the basketball team and the crowd. So I do the thing. I unlock the visiting team from the locker room. Finish the call. Now, I'm not usually one to watch sports ball, but I didn't really want to go back out into the dark, so I stuck around for a minute. I love people watching, so I was looking at the crowd and stuff. And by the crowd, I mean a small crowd. Our stadium is practically a garage with bleachers. Then all of a sudden, I lock eyes with Thor across the room. He must have already been staring at me. We were on the opposite sides of the court, but I could feel his bright blue eyes reaching right into my soul. I felt this icy pit right in my chest. I tried to look away, 
but I felt like I was being sucked into it. That sounds intense. Yeah, it, it, it was really intense. I felt like he was blasting a spotlight right at me. I decided to get the heck out of there, so I reached down for my toolbox, and when I looked up, he had gone. Okay, so some guy goes to the bathroom, and you want me to believe he's a ghost or something? What? No, no, I, I, was, I wasn't finished. Explain. So I left the gym and headed back to my dorm. It was pitch black out, and my eyes were still adjusting from being inside the gym. I had that feeling like something was off. Something was watching me. But I kept walking and tried to ignore that feeling. So I'm walking, I'm walking. The streetlights were turned on as I walked under them, but I could tell that there's somebody else out. Then up ahead, maybe 50 yards or so, I saw one of the lights come on in the distance. Was there somebody there? No, at first I thought it was a dog. But then I heard it give a yell and start yipping. It was a coyote, glaring right at me. I could hear the other coyotes in the woods returning the howl. They were excited. They were hungry. The coyote stepped towards me. And the next light came on. Then it started to run. So what did you do, Maple? Well, I turned and ran too, man. I started running back towards the gym. I I tried to keep tabs on it over my shoulder, but that was impossible. I couldn't even tell if it was just the one or if more had joined, but I could see the lights were getting closer and closer to me. It was a lot faster than I was, especially with the tool belt on. I tried screaming, but they couldn't hear me with the basketball game going on. Then all of a sudden, all the lights went off. Wait, like the street lights went off? Yeah, I couldn't see a thing, so of course I fell instantly. My tools scattered everywhere, so I tried to reach around for something to defend myself with. I found a hammer and and my cordless drill and finally got to my feet. It took me forever. I thought for sure they would have pounced already, but instead I heard the howling again. I could feel my heart pounding as I tried to see them around me, but again, they didn't attack. I started hearing a scuffle, like a noise and gnarling and whimpering and stuff. You think they were fighting each other? Well, I thought so at first, but then I saw it. The outline of a big, towering shape right about where the coyotes should be. It looked like a person, kind of, but it was as tall as the streetlights. It looked like it was absolutely going to town on these coyotes. I don't know if you've ever been ready to fight for your life, only to end up standing there like an idiot, but it's a really weird feeling. I mean, honestly, what was I going to do with a Phillips head bit against wild animals? Are you telling me Bigfoot saved you from coyotes? Okay, look, I don't know if it was Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti. I'm not a scientist. But when it finished with the coyotes, I was standing there like a big dumb idiot. It turned and looked right at me. The icy blue eyes locked with mine, and I felt like it was looking right into my soul. I couldn't look away. I felt my chest turning icy again. My brain told me I was in danger, but I didn't feel worried somehow. It blinked slowly and turned towards the woods. Before I knew it, he had gone, and the lights had turned back on. Could you see the coyotes? Get this. The coyotes were gone. No sign of them. It sounded like there had been at least half a dozen of them. But when I went to where the fight happened, all I found was a single, severed coyote paw laying in the dirt. Ooh, that story gives me the shivers. Thank you, Maple, for telling us that story. I think I'm going to have to check over my shoulder walking to my car tonight. That concludes our show tonight, everyone. Be sure to tune in next time for Terry After Midnight on 88.3 KOFF. Well, that was fun. Yeah. So if anyone hasn't listened, hello listener again. 
was a radio drama that we did with Michael a few years ago now. And it takes place as a radio station where Terry Mitchum is the host of a, of a late night radio show. So it's the same character. I actually use the same music that Michael had made back for that. The script for this was written by Michael. And Sarah and Pete did amazing as Terry and Maple. I think it's very interesting that someone is calling into uh, Terry After Midnight to report a monster sighting to a monster. <laughs> That's true, actually. Layers on layers. Sorry. Spoilers. Sorry for the spoilers. I, I You know what? I'm not sorry. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't listened to it by now. It's pretty good. Yeah. I think we did a pretty good job. I agree. I yeah. think it's great. We The collective we, because there were so many people yeah. involved with that. Oh, the most people, yes. Like 20 people. Tw- tw- th- at th- least. 30,000, maybe. Maybe, yeah. We count the listeners. <laughs> That's right. Okay, well, that was a fun one. Although, uh-huh. it, it does track mildly because uh, the character of Maple was not present in the original. But actually, you have also been Maple before. What? We did, you and I, do you remember we did that county fair skit for Jollyville? We voice acted two of the roles and you played, I think the character Maple is is your character. No, I had a different name. You were Orby Bonkers. No, no, no. The characters in this skit, not just our general Jollyville names. I I, Sorry, I, I didn't realize that we were in character at that point. Oh, yeah. I thought in Jollyville we had very specific titles. I, I didn't oh, realize. Oh, there's layers in Jollyville too. Yeah. Layers left and right. Man, I really got to catch up on my Jollyville lore. There you go. Well, thank you to Michael for writing this. Thank you to Sarah and Pete for amazing performances. It was very fun to to put that all together. Yeah, it's it's always a treat when we get everybody. Yeah, it was a good crew. All right, shall we move on to the next story? What do we got? So switching gears a little bit, still within the Bigfoot realm of course the the bigfoot parent umbrella that's right but something maybe a little more romantic oh for us all is it oh my roll the tape bigfoot love story written by abby brinker read by miranda She rolled her eyes as he passed her a handful of nuts. He preferred nuts and berries to snack on. She preferred meat. But he was slowly turning her into an unlikely vegetarian. He smiled. She smiled back. It had been a lazy day in the sun, which was their style. Now they sat on logs along a sparkling river. They liked to take their time with everything they did. They loved their surroundings. They loved the sounds of the birds in the trees around them and the delicate rush of the water next to their feet. They sat in silence and took it all in. They were slow and thoughtful creatures. Unless, of course, there was some reason to move fast, some rare danger or threat. But mostly, things were calm. It wasn't normal for their kind to pair up. But obviously it did happen. Their species still walked the land. But it was unusual to stay together for so long. 
They had found each other not too long ago. They had both been bathing in the creek. The cold water felt amazing against her thick coat. As was customary, they had cried out to each other before she gently approached him. That was it. Ever since they'd been together, she'd been trading fresh deer meat for pine cones and walnuts. The sound of a snapping twig pulled her away from her daydream. Someone or something was coming closer. They had been distracted, basking in their quiet bliss. Stupid. Such a stupid mistake. Her pet peeve above all else was humans. Strange, loud, dirty creatures with no fur covering their naked skin. Only rags. Utterly grotesque. An atrocious noise boomed from a few yards away. Even worse, humans trying to impersonate the delicate calls of her kind, as if they even had the right vocal cords. In tandem, they moved quickly. They scattered in different directions. This would make it harder for the humans to track them. They slumped lower to the forest floor, blending in with rocks and trees as they moved through the woods. They were used to these evasion tactics, but it didn't make it any less annoying. It wasn't that they were afraid of people. Quite the contrary. She was sure she could take on upwards of ten at once, but she didn't want to deal with it. She didn't want to hurt them, but she knew it would come to that if they ever did catch up to one of her kind. She'd heard the stories. She scanned the forest for her partner, looking for her companion through the trees and leaves and rocks. He was older than her and probably more seasoned at evasion. She wished they were together now. How stupid that these irritating voyeurs would drive her away from him. And just at that moment, just as she was thinking about his kind eyes, she heard a real and painful howl. Something was wrong. He was in trouble. Really in trouble. He was in pain. Abandoning all the codes and rules of their kind, she pivoted from her path and sprinted full speed towards the sound. Her irritation was rapidly replaced with rage. Her gentle and inconspicuous footsteps were now thunderous. The ground shook around her as she ran forward. Birds abandoned their perches in trees. A small chunk of rock crumbled from a nearby ledge. He howled again. This time it was more of a moan. He was giving in or giving up. What had they done to him? She passed by a massive oak and could finally see the scene in the distance. It had been a trap. She immediately put the pieces together. Her companion was tangled in a mess of red ropes. Her heart shattered. He was usually so strong, independent, cheerful. Now he was terrified and hurt. Anger pulsed through her veins. How dare they do this? Stupid, miserable humans couldn't just leave them in peace. The humans looked up, frozen, in fear. They had not expected a second Bigfoot. She could see them now. There were three humans. They looked tiny compared to the mass that struggled against the red ropes. Cheap tactics. They knew they could never overpower a Bigfoot, so they went for trickery and deceit. How typically human. 
She bounded up to them, crossing the last few feet, keeping her away from saving her partner. She could see how scared he was, how confused and hurt and ashamed. She gave him a knowing look back. She was going to get him out. She growled. Not a typical noise for her kind, but this was not a typical situation for her kind to be in. One of the humans screamed, dropped the rope they were holding, and started to run in the other direction, tripping and stumbling along the way. She bared her teeth. The remaining two humans looked at each other, deciding what to do. She could see their hands were shaking. She wished they wouldn't run. She wanted the satisfaction of snapping their bones, crushing their skulls into powder. If they did run, she would chase them down and... Her companion moaned again. She looked at him. Her head cleared. This wasn't their way. They were peaceful creatures. Friends to all. Except people, of course. But enemy to none. She inhaled. Refocusing her attention on the gentle rustle of the wind through the crunchy leaves, the delicate smell of the fresh earth. She exhaled and took a slow step forwards. She looked at the shaking humans closely. One was what she assumed was a rather tall person, though they still only came to her chest. The other was quite a bit shorter. She reached forward and pulled the red rope gingerly out of their hands. They didn't put up a fight. It dropped to the ground. She held up her hands in front of her. She meant no harm. Stepping towards the red mess, she started to untangle the ropes, sliding the thick cord in and out of the loops, untying knots. Slowly the ensnared Bigfoot was lowered to the ground. He righted himself as soon as he could and stood. She looked him over, gently tracing her hand through his fur. Only minor scrapes and rope burns. He was going to be all right. She looked at the humans. They had taken out recording devices. As the pair turned back towards their forest home, she knocked the cameras from their watching human hands, knowing the force would be enough to shatter them once they hit the ground. I always love stories that are told from the monster's perspective. The monster, quote-unquote. Yeah, the monster. It's not really a monster. They're monsters. Even in Bigfoot folklore, I, I don't know that I would call them the monster. They're the mo- come on. What? They're beasts. Oh, come on. They're beasts that are in love. They're Bigfoots that are in love. Yeah. She changed her ways for him. She softened her blow. What do you mean? She showed sympathy. Tell me, tell me your process. <laughs> I mean, the, the general too long didn't read of the story is that she was, you know, a little more aggressive than her partner. He was vegan. He liked to protect other beings. And she was enraged when they captured him. But instead of killing them immediately, she decided to show them mercy because she knew that's what he would have wanted. But she did destroy their cameras at the end because fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah. They don't deserve cameras. They don't deserve anything. They're just naked humans. Why were they out there? Bigfoot hunting. Bigfoot. To hunt hunt the Bigfoots. Yeah. To capture them. Take them to the freaking World's Fair. What do you think would have happened 
had she not been there. He would have gotten taken to the World's Fair and the the you know, everything would have been exposed. Specifically the World's Fair. Yeah. Ever heard of it? No, I've heard of it. Okay. You've then you you've, know. you've built a f- Then you know the gravity of the situation. The the gravitas was indeed felt. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Interesting choice to make uh the male Bigfoot vegan. Why? I just felt it was an interesting detail. It had a depth to the character. Thank you. I wanted it to. You also didn't give any descriptions about the humans, which I also liked. Well, I said one was tall and one was shorter. Yeah, but it's like you didn't humanize them at all. Yeah, because fuck them. What what was your inspiration behind this tale specifically? Compromise in relationships. Mm. A tale as old as time. <laughs> and Miranda Warzel did an amazing job, as always. Check out alien.meet on Instagram and follow her on Twitch. She does all of these bedtime stories all of the time now and i think she's blowing up on twitch so join that bandwagon while you can i i almost forgot for a second that miranda was the one that read this i'm just so used to hearing like your stories come from miranda it's like it's like a perfect homogenous team yeah like my writing comes out of miranda's voice in a or is in miranda's voice it makes sense now yeah yeah, absolutely expected it, it kind of is. Yeah. Well, she's great. And I, you know, I definitely think she does an amazing job. So I guess I'm selfish in that way. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you. She's Thank great. You. Yeah. She's great. All right. Well, we have one more story. Time, time to bring our, our third team of literary titans. Um, saying that I'm part of the, the second team of literary titans. Uh, yes. Wow. What an honor. Yeah. You know what? Instead of preface, Let's just do it. Preface be damned. Roll the tape. Maple syrup and Bigfoot. Written by Cooper Shreves. Read by Ethan Collins. I miss maple syrup. Not the kind you find in the breakfast aisle at the grocery store. The real stuff. The kind you can only get from maple farms. Where I'm from, there's Maple Weekend. Local farmers sell their products to suckers like me who will hike into the woods to find the stuff. I have distinct memories of this when I was younger, the smell of burnt wood and the sight of the frozen lake. There was an old train caboose next to the lake at the farm I used to hike to. I liked my yearly trek into the wilderness, returning with muddy boots and sticky syrup for pancakes. Unfortunately, I hadn't been home in years. Maybe I'd been too busy. My work took up most of the time. Maybe the town felt too much like someone. Either way, I hadn't been home until I'd gotten a call from an old friend. He had a situation at his maple farm. I finished up the case I was working on and went on my way. The last case involved a coal museum and a mothman. This one seemed to be very different. Gary, my friend, kept seeing this Sasquatch figure on his property. His wife saw it, too. It was now two weeks before Maple Weekend, so it was my job to end these weird occurrences. This was how I ended up here. The driver's seat of my Jeep, cruising through the dense woods. Simple Man by Leonard Skinner played from the speakers. There was a scent you could only find out here, and I was beginning to smell it. I think it's the soil, but I've never really been sure. I felt like smiling just a bit. The smell reminded me of teenage years with a note of pouring rain. I parked my car in the ditch next to a thinning trail. Stepping out of the car, I grabbed my hiking stick. I wasn't as young as I thought I was. My knee had been giving out lately. The hiking stick could also double as a knocking stick for communicating with Bigfoot. My pockets were filled with marbles and other shiny objects, anything shiny. 
Marble seemed to work best, but buttons and other junk would do. This was not my first time moving a Sasquatch. I donned my Sasquatch hunting gear and stepped into the woods. I'd walked these woods many times before. It felt familiar and nice. If I'd known there was a Bigfoot in these woods when I was a teen, I would have gone buck wild. You would have had to drag me out of the wilderness. I kept an eye out for any possible footprints or dung. I didn't see any. What I did see were the aging wooden shacks in the woods in front of me. One was Gary's house. One was the syrup oven shack. One was the shop I helped them build in 1987. Hey, Christopher, Gary yelled, waving at me from his porch. He hadn't gotten much younger either. His brown hair was beginning to fade to gray. He wore a button-up and jeans. He hated dress clothes when we went to junior high together. Hey, Gary, I've been looking for you. He smiled wide. He embraced me with a hug, always a welcome feeling. I hadn't seen this man in nearly 12 years, but not much had changed. Gracie's on a business trip, so it's just me and this dang Yeti on the property. Gary patted me on the back. Well, I'm here now. What exactly has been happening? He sat down on the chair on the porch, beckoning me to sit in the other. Well, a couple of weeks ago, Grace and I were sitting out here when we heard these big stomps from the woods. We assumed it was Jeff up the way, but he's been out of town. After that, we started noticing rock structures in the woods, like you said happened sometimes. Two days ago, Gracie had to go on to that big tech conference in Jemmings. I was alone on the porch drinking iced tea, and I saw a big furry guy walking through the brush out there. It stopped mid-step and just stood, and then moved on. I can't deal with any uncontrollable wildlife right now, not with Maple Weekend on its way. You're a resident cryptid hunter, or at least you used to be. I nodded. That does sound an awful lot like a Sasquatch, and it wouldn't surprise me in these woods. I looked out at our surroundings, still slightly snowy and very muddy. It was silent, except for the familiar coo of a morning dove. So what are the steps here? A plan of action, if you will. Gary scratched his beard. Here's what I'll do. I'll set out shiny objects in the woods. That'll grab its attention. Then I'll go out and leave peanut butter, mess up some of the local area, build some new rock structures. It might just tell the Sasquatch that there's another competing creature out here. But that's the best I can do in terms of moving a Sasquatch. I listed, feeling myself rambling. Gary nodded along, seeming slightly lost. He and I had done some ghost hunting back in the day, but never anything cryptid-related. Cryptids and ghosts were put into two different boxes, and most people didn't dip into both boxes. I did. How long do you think you'll be staying? I'd love to catch up with you, Gary smiled. As long as it takes to take care of the issue, I said, trying to be reassuring. The next morning, I started the job. I'd slept in Gary's spare room. A real bed felt nice after becoming so used to motel ones. Warm blankets, real breakfast, real maple syrup, warm heat, real laundry. It was the closest thing to a home I'd felt in a very long time, but it was a case. Gary had left about an hour ago. He had to go to work. He settled in town, became a mechanic. Maple was a side job. I walked off of the porch of the house, taking in the fresh air. It was crisp, late March. I looked at the shop I helped Gary build, decorated just in time for the shopper's rush. I had a bucket full of shiny objects. Sometimes it dawns on me that I lead a very weird life, and this was one of those moments. I scattered buttons and marbles around in the snow, just out enough that any visitor wouldn't notice. I retreated back inside after that. After spending so much time in the desert, the cold was overwhelming. Gary came home that evening with steaks for us, my old favorite. I told him about the first day of the process. He told me about his day at work. He fixed a hot pink sports car. It reminded me of the old days. We used to grab dinner every Thursday during our senior year. We didn't have any classes together. We'd sit in the gazebo in town with unwrapped subs and mellow yellow. For a 54-year-old man, I sure was nostalgic lately. It was that same old soil smell causing it, I think. The day started over, and I was alone to do my work again. Gary had stopped on his way home from the store to get me a bunch of peanut butter. 
It was a surefire way to get rid of a Sasquatch. They hate the smell. I'd never seen a Bigfoot, but I heard them running after smelling this junk. I took a big spoon and left globs of peanut butter on the property. I only saw a few marbles. Either they had been taken by the Squatch or fell into the mud. After I spread the peanut butter and ate a few spoonfuls, I made an attempt to change the environment. I threw sticks around and knocked on trees with my hiking stick. When I started in this business, I could have climbed any tree in the vicinity and done some real damage, even in winter. But now, not so much. I dragged some big boulders into the middle of Gary's property and stacked them. It was the signature Bigfoot way of things. I was hoping to trick it into thinking I was a fellow cryptid. Many women had called me a cryptid before. I hadn't done a case like this in many years, but these tactics had worked before. My hands now numb and my knee killing me, I retreated back inside. I stayed for a few days after finishing my work, both to make it work and to eat more maple syrup. In the end, it did work. Maple Weekend went smoothly, and they never saw the creature again. I suppose I still make a good Sasquatch, even in my older age. I never did tell Gary about all of the nostalgia for coming back to my hometown. Eating dinner with him once again was, I think, exactly what I needed in my life, although I didn't know it until afterwards. Another excellent read from friend of the pod, Ethan Collins. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I always love when he does stuff. And another excellent story from Cooper. Thank you, Cooper, for, I think, the second submission that we've had on the show. Remind me, what was the first one? It was from the Invisible Man Stories episode. And actually, Michael Crosa read that story and provided some effects. Aha. Oh, uh, oh, that one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. This guy's good. Very good. Yeah. And it has sort of these themes of different sorts of paranormal investigators. I Yeah, I think I, I find it very interesting that uh, in the story, the, the main character uh, differentiated between cryptids and other types of paranormal. Mm-hmm. It, which just circles right back to the beginning of this episode. In the end, it all comes back to it, doesn't it? I guess so. Also, just like cryptid hunting is kind of fun. Yeah. I don't know. This this seemed like almost like a Harriet the Spy type cryptid hunting. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't feel much danger from this. It felt more of just like a fun adventure. Yes, it definitely did. And it sort of made me, I like that you said cryptid hunting sounds fun because A, I thought this story was really good because it gives you a lot of the the things that Bigfoot hunters do, you know, like small objects and rocks and all these other things that we didn't necessarily talk about. But a thousand percent, it like made me want to go to the TNT district and like wait for Mothman, you know, just that sort of what's sense the, of... What's the TNT district? That's the, the, re- the sort of like preserve, the land preserve. Gotcha. where Mothman, a lot of Mothman sightings happen. But it just mm. kind of evoked this feeling of, you know, getting out there and seeing what happens. I th- I do wonder how they come up with some of this, like, Bigfoot canon, though, where it's like, you know what? Bigfoot hates the smell of peanut butter. It's like, you know what? I put out peanut butter. See no Bigfoot. <laughs> Which, you know, I'm sorry. I may, I'm, I'm, I'm poking fun at it. However... We have peanut butter, and we have never once seen a Bigfoot in the house. That's true. That's a really good point. So. Very astute, yeah. I can't say if that's coincidence or causality, mm-hmm. but, you know. You're not th- a scientist. I'm no scientist. That's right. I, I also want to say this was a very good choice for Ethan to read. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a, he's a very um, he's a very woodsy man, oh, you know, yeah. he's a, a grizzled guy. Mm. I imagine that he would make a very good Bigfoot hunter or even Bigfoot befriender. Mm. Yeah, when I read this story, my first thought was Ethan Collins. Excellent intuition. Thank you. I, I trusted my gut on that one. It's not failed me ever, so. 
So that brings us to the conclusion here of our Bigfoot Sasquatch Yeti summer to fall epic journey. I know we're on the cusp, but you know, yeah, no, let's... end of summer, end of summer, Bigfoot epic journey. But let's... like truly, where did the summer go? Instead of saying that, can we just rephrase it? Okay. Instead, this is kicking off Halloween season. Yes, sure. Our our Halloween kickoff cryptid extravaganza. Yeah. We have a lot of really cool stuff coming up for Halloween, so we're excited. October's our our month to shine. Okay, yeah. I'm I I don't know what's next. (laughs) Do you? Yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this this was uh I feel like there was a lot of build up for this little three part series. Now it's done. Now we're now we're on to boring things. Now we only have up to go, you know? We've set the bar high and we have to keep exceeding it. That's unreasonable. Well, so that concludes our, our full Bigfoot series. I'm sure we're going to circle back at least with a Bigfoot story and Campfire Tales or something like that. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Okay, so for the first time in my whole life, I am overwhelmed with submission to Campfire Tales. In the history of Bigfoot Part 1, we told you, Alan told you about this new series we want to do on YouTube People have been submitting really cool campfire tale stories. A lot of them, I think, are going to be really good in October. So I'm trying to get some of those episodes together for October to have this really cool visual series on YouTube for you. So that being said, if you are a writer who has a horror story, a science fiction story, any kind of creepy or weird story that maybe don't necessarily fit into some of our themes... Email me at filmsaboutlunatics at gmail.com because I'm putting those episodes together now for October and they are so good so far. And I'm just really excited to share our campfire videos. Yes, Alan's campfire videos are so good. It's they're not mine, they're ours. This they're was yours. a big no, this was a big collaboration. Okay. Among myself and some other highly dedicated filmmakers. That's true. And we're yeah, really it was a group effort, but they're really cool, and I'm excited to add some spooky audio to go with them. All right. Well, we'll have to wait until then. And in the meantime, check out our YouTube channel because we have some other really cool, creepy stuff up there. But thank you all so much for being along this Bigfoot Sasquatch journey with us. This was kind of one of those really big topics that we knew we needed to get to, and I had a lot of fun exploring it and learning about the lore. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to everyone who wrote stories, who did voice acting for us. We are always in your debt. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next episode. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some bonus content, consider supporting us on Patreon to access our patron-exclusive podcast, Horror Movie Club. Also head to lunaticsproject.com to check out our spooky merch and apparel. You can find us at Lunatics Project on Twitter and TikTok and The Lunatics Project on Instagram and YouTube, where you'll find our short horror films, cemetery tours, and so much more. And please rate and review. A little feedback goes a long way to help us grow and get more content out there. Our cover art is by Pilar Kep, and musical bumpers are by Michaela Papa and Jordan Moser.